from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Good afternoon. I hope you've had a fantastic day and welcome to Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, a senior vice president here at the Family Research Council. Extremely honored and happy to be filling in for Tony this evening and especially glad to have you on board with us as well. We've got a tremendous program lined up for you on this special edition of Washington Watch. Let's begin with this. Today, an indictment was unsealed, charging Donald J. Trump with conspiring to defraud the United States, conspiring to disenfranchise voters, and conspiring and attempting to obstruct an official proceeding. Well, that was Special Counsel Jack Smith at the Department of Justice yesterday announcing the new charges against former President Donald Trump. But the timing, well, it couldn't be more perfect for the Biden administration, could it? And probably that's uh, because they're not pleased with all the media attention that's been given this week after Monday's House Oversight Committee interview with Hunter Biden's former business partner, Devin Archer. But will this be enough to distract Americans from the ongoing investigation into the Biden family? I think the American people see what's going on, whether or not this is a weaponized Department of Justice trying to divert attention away from Biden corruption or whether they're trying to take out their chief top political opponent in the upcoming election. The American people see through this. And uh, this is a sad day for the rule of law. And it's a sad day for the justice system in America. Well, that was Congressman James Comer. He's the chairman of the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, and he was speaking yesterday on Fox News. I'll be joined here in just a few moments with another member of, Com of Congress, Representative Mark Alford from Missouri, and we'll get his take on the latest indictment of the former president. And then what is exactly involved with the charges this time against President Trump? And what do the charges reveal? about the Department of Justice and the way it's politicizing and weaponizing its power against individual citizens, and in this case, a political opponent. I'll be joined a little bit later in the program by former Kansas Attorney General Phil Klein to discuss this. And also announced yesterday, I'm sure you're aware by now, the decision by Fitch Rating, one of the big three credit rating agencies, to downgrade. America's debt rating from AAA to AA plus as Bidenomics in action. Fitch's decision is puzzling in light of the economic strength we see in the United States. I strongly disagree with Fitch's decision, and I believe it is entirely unwarranted. Well, that was Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen earlier today criticizing the Fitch ratings. So what's behind the decision to downgrade? And what does it mean? What does it mean for our national debt? What's it mean for interest rates, for the U.S. economy? And what does it mean for you? What does it mean for all of us, everyday Americans? We'll unpack this a little bit later on with a former member of Congress, uh, Dr. Dave Bratt, who now is the dean at Liberty University's School of Business. So we've got a lot to unpack today. And as a reminder, let me encourage you always to visit our website, TonyPerkins.com, in case you miss any portion of today's program or you'd like to archive any previous program. There's a lot of resources there available for you as well. So always be sure to go back to TonyPerkins.com. All right. As I highlighted in my opening remarks, many have noted the 
shall we say, suspicious timing of yesterday's third indictment of former President Trump. You may recall that the news of the first indictment came just one day after Hunter Biden's de facto laptop ownership admission back in March. Then the second indictment was released a day after news broke in June of an FBI document alleging a $5 million criminal bribery scheme between then Vice President Joe Biden and a foreign national. And now we have this one, yesterday's indictment, coming just one day after the House Oversight Committee's closed-door interview with Hunter Biden's former business partner, uh, Devin Archer. So, yeah, is it all just coincidence? Or is it maybe an example of a weaponized Department of Justice? Well, with me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Mark Alford. He serves on three House committees, including the Committee on Small Business. He represents the 4th Congressional District of Missouri. Congressman Alford, always great to have you on Washington Watch. Thank you, Jody, so much. Uh, I tell you what, P.T. Barnum said a sucker is born every minute. And uh, uh, you've got to be a sucker if you believe that there's not uh, something to do with the timing of these latest indictments and what has been going on with the investigation of Hunter Biden and the Hunter Biden uh, crime family. Absolutely. Well, listen, I do want to get into the timing of all this here in just a moment. But before we get there, let me just get your overall take on the charges themselves against former President Trump. Well, look, uh, this is another attempt to at this two-tier justice system, this weaponized uh, justice system that, unfortunately, we have uh, in the American public right now. And the sad thing about it is the American people have lost trust. They've lost trust in their government. They've lost trust in the media. They've lost trust in the justice system. That is a recipe for disaster. So these latest indictments are directly... ...candidate who... who who puts up a fight after they have supposedly lost an election? Are you going to indict Stacey Abrams, Al Gore, uh, Mrs. Clinton? How many people are you going to try to put in prison because they say that they really won the election when officials say that they lost the election? Yeah, those were excellent points, uh, Congressman. And hey, I, I saw a tweet uh, or an X, whatever whatever it is nowadays, a tweet I'll call it. For, uh, Senator Marco Rubio pointed out uh, that apparently it's now a crime to make statements challenging elections, just like you were referring to, as many Democrats have done in the past. Uh, but he went on and he said something to the effect that should we now expect indictments of Democratic politicians who falsely claimed the Russia uh, hoax, that Russia uh, hacked the 2016 elections. Are you anticipating any indictments along those lines? Uh, no. Uh, to put quite simply, <laughs> that is not going to happen because we know that uh, the Democrat justice system is not going to go after their own. Look, they did not want Donald Trump in power in 2015 when he was running to be uh, president. They did not want him in power the second time around because they knew that he was going to go in there and clean house. He was beholden to no one and he was going to right the ship. They are scared to death that he is going to win this next election. He is still ahead in the polls. Every time they try to tie him down like the six inch people tried to tie Gulliver down in the travels of Gulliver, 
uh, with thread, and they were able to do that because there were thousands of these threads around him. That is the only way that they're going to bring this president down, this former president, and hold him down, and they know that, and they are scared to death that he's going to break those bonds, be president again, and then he's really going to work to clean out the House. Well, let's let's go back. You mentioned it a little while ago about the timing of all of this. You know, I look at this and just literally shake my head saying, do they really think we're going to buy all this, that this is all just coincidence? Here we have three indictments, all of them coming strategically after serious allegations uh, against the, the Biden family and so forth. Uh, give me your take on, on what, what are you hearing in uh, D.C. on the Hill? What, what is your take on the timing of all this? Well, uh, I think the important thing uh, for your viewers to understand is this is a slow process. The Democrats, especially on this Hunter Biden investigation, have been saying, well, you've been investigating it for three years. Well, no, we haven't. We haven't had the subpoena power that we do now to get people into those chairs to uh, uh, really compel them to tell the truth about what they know about the uh, Biden crime family and how much uh, the big guy is on the take from communist China, Ukraine and Romania. And so these investigations are going forward. Information is starting to come out for the Democrats to say, hey, there's no evidence out there. And people in the other media are saying, hey, there's no evidence, nothing to look at. There is something to look at. And as these uh, investigations continue and more and more evidence comes to light, I fully believe that eventually we will have an impeachment inquiry. And that's going to put the, uh, I think, I hope, the focus of the American people back on rightfully where it belongs on how this current president is really compromised and is a compromise to our national security. Absolutely. And that compromise is frightening as what we're seeing, not only our military, but our respect around the, the globe and what's happening on our southern border so many different ways. If I can, let me switch gears real quickly with you. And, and let's talk about the Fitch ratings. Sure. One of the big three credit rating agencies downgraded America's debt rating from AAA to AA+. Uh, and, of course, the Biden administration is claiming that how much they strongly disagree with these ratings. But it's a serious thing that we're watching unfold. Give me your input on this. Well, let's uh, let Joe Biden take credit for it. This is Bidenomics, right? Uh, he should be bragging about this. He has destroyed our economy. Before he took office, he, with a wink and a nod, uh, welcomed 7 million illegal aliens into our country. Uh, created uh, not diversity, but instability in our economy. He demonized fossil fuels. He tried to uh, push EVs down our throats and ended up putting uh, the target on the backs of the American people, got inflation to a 40-year high, which is a tax on everyone. Uh, yes, we fought the deficit battle because we did not want another $4 trillion added to our $32 trillion worth of debt. Uh, the package that came back was uh, this $4 trillion added, uh, and it's for two years. And so what's going to happen in two years? Uh, are they going to come back and want us to raise the debt ceiling again? Yes, there is instability in our economy right now, but that is squarely on the uh, backs of the Biden family and the Biden administration for creating instability in our government and in our nation. Well, and it really is a, a, a very disturbing uh, reality that's unfolding. We'll be having former Congressman Dave Brad on to discuss this a little bit further in detail. But while you talk about Bidenomics, it's remarkable to me that the Biden administration continues to tout uh, Bidenomics. Uh, they, they seem to think 
uh, that things have only been going up and getting better and better since Biden took office. Uh, maybe they're just hopeful that uh, Americans will forget uh, the reality of what we're experiencing. But what do you anticipate could yet unfold going forward if this administration continues to go in the direction they're currently going? Look, the American people aren't dumb. I know people in the 4th Congressional District have really sacrificed a lot over the last two years, uh, especially a year and a half. Uh, the price of food, fertilizer, and fuel have all skyrocketed. If you look at the average price of things uh, from when Trump was in office to now, it's up 16% on average. Yeah, gasoline has come down a bit, but was so the American people are not stupid. They know that they cannot afford to get out of the grocery store half the time. They know they can't still afford to fill up their trucks. And uh, it's going to get worse. I think the gas uh, price of gasoline is going to go up. The Biden administration has uh, taken a lot of money out of our, of our strategic oil supply, which we need in cases of national emergency or world crisis. We've got to replenish those stocks. We're not doing it right now. And so as we move into the uh, late summer, early fall months, I think you're going to see gas prices go back up. And I think that's going to put the hurt on the average day American. And uh, they might wake up, uh, those who aren't already awake, to the, the damage that Biden is doing to our economy. Well, I certainly hope you're correct on that uh, for the American people to wake up. But it's frightful to consider that uh, if we keep going down this road, things will only get worse. Thank you, Congressman Mark Oliver. Always great to see you. And thank you for your insight. Thanks for joining us on Washington Watch. All right, friends, coming up after the break, we're going to take a deeper dive into the indictment of former President Trump and unpack the charges and what can we draw from them. Much more ahead. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific 
specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Glad to have you joining us. I'm your host, Jody Heiss. All right, while the latest indictment of former President Trump may give the legacy media an excuse not to cover what came out this past Monday in the Oversight Committee in regard to former uh, or Hunter Biden's former business partner, Devin Archer, rest assured we here at Washington Watch are keeping an eye on that and awaiting for the forthcoming release of the interview transcript that should be coming out any day right now. We'll keep you posted, obviously, when that happens. But in the meantime, uh, we do want to take a look at the latest indictment of former President Trump and unpack it for you. So joining me now to discuss this is Phil Klein, Associate Professor of Law at Liberty University and also the former Attorney General for the state of Kansas and former District Attorney for Johnson County. I don't know of anyone who can unpack this any better for us than Phil Klein. Phil, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to have you. Good to be with you, Jody. All right, I'd like to uh, go over the charges that have uh, come towards former President Trump uh, in this latest indictment that seems to be an ongoing saga that we're watching. But let's start with this one, the conspiracy to defraud the United States. Can you explain to our viewers and listeners what that means? Well, essentially, it means that the president, it's an allegation that President Trump, along with others, created a plan to engage in deceit to harm the United States of America. And basically, the factual predicate that um, Jack Smith puts forth is that Trump um, knew he was lying when he made claims about the election. He forwarded those claims in order to exert pressure improperly to get others to um, act inconsistent with their constitutional role and duties as it relates to uh, counting the electoral votes in Washington on January 6th. That, that is count one. All right, well, before we go to count two, let me ask you this. That sounds like it's all speculation. How does anyone read someone else's mind and determine intent? 
Well, it's more than speculation. It's the weaponization of the Department of Justice and it's an abuse of law. Um, it, it is criminalizing a difference of opinion. And essentially we see that consistently with the Biden administration and their efforts at censorship and in the intimidation they put forward against uh, parents as it relates to school boards and so forth. If, if you read the indictment, and I, I think this is real important, Jody, because this has been one of the most expansive investigations in United States history. You have to include the January 6th committee in this, and they subpoenaed and interviewed and, and really obtained all kinds of information as it relates to their political opponents. Jack Smith then, in his role as special counsel, has done the same. And the result is, in this indictment, there are no allegations that former President Trump was trying to cause violence, incite violence, plan violence, or do anything along those lines. So uh, basically what you've got is allegations that there are some within his administration who said, look, you lost the election. Trump disagreed with that and decided to try to exercise all of the rights afforded to him by law to ensure a thorough review of the election and also hold on to power if that was appropriate with what they found. And now the Department of Justice is criminalizing that type of conduct. Wow. Amazing. Well, let's go to some of the other uh, charges that uh, have, have come his way. There's the conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding. What does that mean? Well, it, it, right now it means what Jack Smith says it means, which is um, uh, unfortunate. The, the law was passed as a part of Sarbanes-Oxley to prevent the destruction of documents um, that might have been under subpoena to another party. What you had is an accounting firm destroy documents that their client uh, had been subpoenaed for those documents, and so this law was passed by Congress. It requires a corrupt intent, and this is the barrier that Mr. Smith faces, um, especially with the United States Supreme Court. I don't know about a D.C. Um, a jury pool and whether they will seriously uh, uh, review whether Mr. Trump had a corrupt intent. Um, unfortunately, people uh, who disagree with Mr. Trump infer corruption rather than look at the facts and, and make a determination. So I'm concerned about that D.C. jury pool. But he has to demonstrate, again, the same factual predicate, that effectively Trump was lying to try to gin up this excitement around January 6th to interfere with the uh, counting of the electoral votes and Mr. Pence and what he was, uh, he was going to do. And the, the concern if you're a civil libertarian or concerned about the First Amendment, is that what, what the former President Trump did is argue forcefully that other things and other steps should be taken. That is speech. That's not inciting violence. That's not intimidating people wrongfully. And, and what the special counsel is saying is that there are other people who agreed with what Trump was saying, and that is there are problems in the 2020 election and the electoral count should not go forth. Now, it's, wow. it's real interesting, Jody. It's almost the same thing that the Democrats said in 2016. That's Christine right. Christine Pelosi led an effort, and in fact, it resulted in violence around the country, and there was intimidation of electors to delay the electoral vote um, and the certification of the electors because of the Russian collusion claim. So 
Mr. Smith is walking down a very dangerous path in criminalizing differences of opinion in political speech. All right, we've only got about a, a minute left. Will you be able to hold on for our next segment? I'd like to keep you to continue this discussion. Sure. Uh, but but in, in a minute or less, what about the conspiracy against rights? I mean, what, what does that, what rights are referenced when we're talking about a conspiracy against rights? Well, in the global sense, the, the right of the American people through a majority vote in the Electoral College to select their president in a more um, uh, targeted sense, uh, the exercise of authority by Mr. Pence, the exercise of authority by the electors that were certified within the states. Um, I, I imagine that that's what we're speaking of. Uh, it's a broad category of crime, much of it arising originally in various forms out of Reconstruction in the United States when there were conspiracies to prevent black voters from going to the polls. Fascinating discussion. Uh, Phil Klein, thank you so much for joining us. If you will uh, hang on and uh, we'll, we'll discuss more of this in just a few moments. All right, friends, coming up, we will just, uh, continue our discussion with my current guest, Phil Klein, in the next segment about this latest indictment against President Trump and what does it all mean, both for the Department of Justice as well as for our country. You don't want to miss any part of it, so stay tuned. We'll continue with more with Phil Klein right after this break. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. back to Washington Watch. It's an honor to have you. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, and we're going to continue our discussion that we were currently having with Phil Klein. And in that last segment, we were unpacking some of the specifics 
of the indictment against former President Trump. And while no doubt some are trying to say that this is just a mere coincidence as far as the timing, uh, we others of us are kind of saying, yeah, right, kind of like the uh, first two that were announced uh, just uh, shortly after the news of the uh, Biden family broke. I mean, we all know timing is so important to these people, but it's pretty clear to most Americans that the Department of Justice has been politicized, it's been weaponized, and here to continue our discussion is my guest uh, from the last segment, Phil Klein, Associate Professor of Law at Liberty University and also the former Attorney General for Kansas and former District Attorney for Johnson County. Phil, thanks so much for staying with me. We appreciate it. All right, let's, uh, let, let's go to how does the treatment of President Trump right now compare with that of other presidents as it relates to what we are watching? It's unprecedented, and it's damaging to the country. It strikes at a very core concept that set and has set America apart um, from the rest of the world, and that is equal protection under the law and that the law should be applied in the same fashion against all persons. I mentioned to you before the break, Jody, of the democratic efforts in 2016. And, and just review that for a second. It was a, it was a uh, effort led by Christine Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's daughter, to get the Trump electors to violate state law and to vote against their pledge, and also to get the intelligence community of the United States to demand a delay in the certification of the electors, contrary to state law, um, claiming that Russian collusion needed to be thoroughly investigated. Now, the Russian collusion hoax was, was uh, initiated by the Clinton campaign, and that's been demonstrated. So here you had the left pushing a lie to try to uh, impede with the electoral count of the vote. And uh, they also organized demonstrations there was significant loss of property and riots. People were harmed. Police officers were injured. And for about two weeks, we had riots in the United States. Now, at that time, the investigation was done properly, and those who were responsible for the violence were prosecuted. But those engaged in aggressive political speech were not, and they shouldn't have been. Now you have the Biden yeah. administration, and it's a whole different ballgame and power is being exercised to harm political opponents. It sure is a whole different ballgame. So you would mark this down as absolutely, number one, unusual uh, for what's taking place, but also politically motivated. That this is, we are watching the, uh, the unfolding of a weaponized Department of Justice. Absolutely. And it, it's been that way for some time. You know, you saw it with the school board. You saw it in election law when the Department of Justice sent out letters to intimidate state legislatures from performing their duty. They have the constitutional duty to understand whether the election was conducted properly. And the Department of Justice sent out a letter um, frightening state legislatures. Uh, you see it as it relates to the document cases and the different treatment between Biden and President Trump. You see it as it relates to Hunter Biden and the Department of Justice engaging in what apparently was misleading the court to try to bring about that plea deal while giving him immunity from any further review um, when the evidence just keeps piling up that there are serious concerns there. So that, that causes a, a structural weakness 
in our government because of the lack of faith that people have in our institutions. And it's the type of thing that causes. Apologize for that. It's truly unfortunate that there are those willing to go to these lengths um, to, to forward a narrative to keep themselves in power. Well, let me just push a little bit further on that, not push against, but to go deeper into what you're just talking about with uh, uh, just a little bit more broadly, if you will, in terms of uh, these indictments and the other things, the, the history that you've given. What What is your take on how the Department of Justice has been uh, operating and messaging over the last couple of years? You described what they've been doing, but what are they messaging in the midst of all of this? Well, you mean, what can we interpret or what do they say? What they say is that this is about upholding the law and that they treat everybody equally and the same. But it is apparent that they do not. And if you dig deeper, Jody, and you look into, for example, um, the, the uh, conveyance of authority that Attorney General Garland gave to Trump's special counsel and that he gave to the special counsel in the Biden case, you see a dramatic difference. You see a very strict limitation of authority on Biden's special counsel, and you see is a, a, a grant of authority to Mr. Smith that basically gives license to go get anybody and everybody affiliated with former President Trump. So it's evident for the American people to see. It's whether that they will act and, and stop this. And really the only way to stop it is to raise your voice and then, of course, to exercise your right to vote and make a difference at the polls. Well, and that's what has to happen. At the end of the day, we have got to take action to stop, uh, to depoliticize and to de-weaponize the Department of Justice. And that starts at the ballot box, but it also continues with keeping our representatives accountable. Thank you, Phil Klein. We appreciate all your incredible work, and thank you so much for taking time to join us this evening on Washington Watch. My honor. Thank you, sir. All right, friends, coming up, I'm going to dive back into yesterday's decision by one of the big three credit rating agencies to downgrade America's debt rating from AAA to AA+. What does it mean? Stay tuned and find out. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org.
Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded communities. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories, and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged. Be in the know. And stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. FRC, celebrating 40 years with Michelle Bachman. I'm so grateful for the involvement that I've been blessed to be a part of really for decades now with the Family Research Council. And it's a highly credible organization, and it's really just a tremendous honor to advance the kingdom of God through this organization. Well, welcome back to Washington Watch, and thank you, Michelle Bachman, for those kind words directed to FRC. And friends, you probably are aware by now this is the 40th anniversary of the Family Research Council, and we are celebrating in so many ways, but one of those will be at our Pray, Vote, Stand Summit coming up in Washington, D.C. in September, and we would love for you to be a part of that. So please go to our website and check it out. There's going to be some incredible speakers there, uh, former President Trump and DeSantis and a host of others, but in the midst of it all, a great gala celebrating 40 years of FRC. All right, we've got a uh, Congress, former Congressman Dave Brad is going to be joining me here in just a few moments. Before we get there, though, I want to bring something your way that many of you, we've all been extremely concerned about, and that is the attack on parents, uh, particularly as it relates to them trying to protect their own children in schools and what's being taught. The Washington Times has recently published a in very interesting article, uh, and it quoted an individual who was upset and basically told her school district, quote, stop ignoring parents, community organizations, and even their own school principals. Now, what's interesting about this, uh, this individual went on and, and, and basically said that the school district should reinstate opt-out options for parents 
and provide a safe, respectable environment for all students. But what's interesting about this is that this particular individual was a part of CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, uh, hardly, hardly a bastion of conservative thought in any stretch of the imagination. I want to take a quick moment uh, to bring in Meg Kilgannon, who is, of course, FRC's Senior Fellow for Education Studies. Uh, Meg, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to have you and appreciate you uh, being with us. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. This is, this is a hopeful sign, I think. Yeah, well, let's go into it. I mean, uh, first of all, describe CARE uh, and describe who this individual is, a, a, an active a part, a leader within CARE. Well, you know, I, 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 if memory serves, going back to the Bush era, CARE was an unindicted co-conspirator, were they not, or allegedly so, in um, some some form in um, of, of Islamic radicalism, and and we see it, that today that um, the, the the folks in Montgomery County, Maryland, who are uh, are members of CARE in that area, are. At, advocating on behalf of their children in the public schools, they're objecting to sexualized content that's being aimed at young children. And so the sign of hope is that, you know, parents are parents, um, regardless of our faith or um, our beliefs. Ultimately, we want the best for our children. And so if there's a place where we can have less polarization in society, I would certainly hope that it would be in our public school system, though that's not the case now. And the fact that this group is speaking out and is engaging in the process is is a very good one, because even if they were, um, you know, opposed to to my position on this or our position on this, which they're in agreement with us that parents need an opt out for for children when it comes to sexually explicit or sexual content generally as part of core curriculum. Um, I would still be happy that they were making their concerns known because the public schools are for everyone. Well, absolutely, and I think that's a key uh, element in this whole debate going on here. The public schools are for everyone, and what really intrigued me about this whole story is, you know, we get attacked, uh, the the uh, evangelical community uh, and, and so forth. We get attacked as the only ones who care about this. We are the only ones who care about what our children are being taught in the public school. And what is so encouraging, as you mentioned, is this individual is not a Christian, is not even a conservative by any stretch, but all parents are concerned about what their children are being taught. Were you at all surprised, let me put it that way, that a director in Maryland of CARE came forward with such passion against the school district in a desire and an attempt to protect her children from what was being taught? Well, those of us who've been in um, the public schools in um, urban or suburban areas have seen this kind of of um, thing happen from time to time. And there was a recent example in Detroit of of uh, Muslim parents going to school board meetings complaining about sexually explicit books in the school curriculum. So I, I know from my background, when when I was active in the county where I lived, we had conversations with Muslim groups and we presented the material to them and they agreed that it wasn't good for their kids and some of them were opting their kids out of these classes, but they weren't quite ready to speak out publicly yet. And a lot of times when you have immigrant communities, 
uh, people don't um, they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to push back on the school system, or um, they're just not familiar with the with the idea that you can push back on the school system. Because in many countries, in most countries in the world, the school is the school, and parents don't really have a say about it. It's just whatever the government says it is. And of course, in the United States, we are different. Um, we have a school system that is supposed to be locally controlled, reflecting the values of the parents and engaging with the parents in full partnership to, to have a, a good education for children. And so I'm, I'm very, very excited that these parents are speaking up. I hope they continue to be engaged. Usually when you become engaged for the first time and you start going to those school board meetings, you go about a particular issue of concern. But then you sit through those meetings and you hear some of the conversations and you realize that school boards need the advice and consent of parents on a lot of topics. Everything from sex education to the budget to the history curriculum to the bus schedules to the holiday schedules. All of the things should be in cooperation with parents. And so I'm really happy to see this development. Well, I am too, and I think you bring up a, a great uh, truth that this takes uh, probably an extra dose of courage for someone like this to take a stand. You know, th th this particular school district and, and the surrounding area right there around the D.C. area has notoriously been woke and have been pushing all sorts of things for a long, long time. Can you give us just a little bit of a history? This is not a new phenomenon, if you will. Uh, that this school district is pushing. They have quite a history of going down the wrong path as it relates to both what they're teaching and anti-parent. No, absolutely. Montgomery County, Maryland is a very, very progressive county from their uh, local government to their uh, school system. They were one of the um, places that were had uh, a proposal to allow illegal immigrants to vote in their local elections, for example a few years ago. And so this is a school system that reflects its community. So there are a lot of very um, progressive, let, let's say, um, things about that school system. But all when it's all said and done, most parents believe in the innocence of childhood, and they want to protect the innocence of their children. So even though this is a very liberal community, they all parents value the innocence of youth and want to protect their kids. And so I'm really, really glad that we can have this area of common ground to come together and agree that, no, we don't Meg, want sexually explicit content in the curriculum. Absolutely. Meg Kilgannon, as always, it's an honor to have you, and thank you for your incredible insight and for sharing this incredible, encouraging story with us today on Washington Watch. Thank you. All right, friends, I want to give it to our, our final guest here real quickly. The Biden administration may be hoping that yesterday's third indictment of former President Trump uh, will redirect attention away from the House Oversight Committee's closed-door interview with Hunter Biden's former business partner, Devin Archer, on Monday. Uh, but trust me, that is not the only fire that they want to put out. Seems like every day there are more fires this administration needs to put out. Yesterday, the Fitch ratings, one of the big three credit rating agencies, downgraded America's rating from AAA to AA+. Well, what does this mean? What does it mean for America? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to our national debt? 
Well, here to fill us in is Dr. Dave Bratt, Dean of the School of Business at Liberty University, also a former congressman for, for, from Virginia who served on the House Budget Committee and the Small Business Committee, uh, among other things. Dr. Bratt, welcome back to Washington Watch. Hey, great to be on with my favorite congressman. Thanks, Jody. Well, listen, uh, you have a lot of fans at FRC. I can tell you that for sure. Right. All right. Uh, let, let's begin with just the basic, the groundwork. Uh, what yep. can you tell us about Fitch ratings and the debt rating system as a whole? Yeah, well, I think everyone's reading the headlines. Uh, the rating agencies are uh, not to be taken seriously, right? They missed the entire 07, 08 financial crisis. Uh, they were never serious. They should have probably been sued for uh, dereliction of duty, et cetera. And so now they're finally coming in late. I mean, the, the, the idea that no one knows that we're going to be $50 trillion in debt in 10 years when it's posted on CBO, you know, what, what took you so long? And just so everybody knows, the, the current federal funds rate, the, the Federal Reserve interest rate is 5%. And 5% of $50 trillion in debt is $2.5 trillion in just interest payments alone. And so we're sunk, right? And the idea they posted that Medicare's insolvent in 10 years, Social Security's insolvent in 10 years, shocker, you know, you and I and anybody that has a conscience has been uh, reporting that for years uh, to save the kid's future. And so, you know, now they're, you know, it's, it's all political, left versus right. Uh, but the most important thing is productivity in this country has been down 40 years in a row. And that's not me, right? That's the that's uh, the leading expert in economics on productivity at Northwestern University, uh, Robert Gordon, if people want to you know, get serious about the issue. And so we're on the wrong course. You're not going to grow your way out of this. We have serious choices to make. Uh, the Republicans just went in with the Democrats on a $7 trillion budget this year and next year. It's a COVID budget where we sent checks to everybody uh, without COVID. Right, it was five trillion. Then they jacked it to seven because we're in an existential crisis, I guess. You know, of our government's causing because they shut down the economy. Uh, but now we're just continuing the spending charade, and I think you know just as well as me that's that's what's going on here. Well, and is is frightening. And you know, just to be very honest with you, no, I, absolutely, what you're talking about with the COVID spending was insane. Yep. What yep. kept coming and coming and coming, and I know. Yep. Uh, uh, many of us were opposed to those kinds of things. But even here recently, the unlimited debt ceiling increase yeah. that many Repub yeah. Republicans supported, that's part yeah. of the problem as well, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's just shocking. And, you know, I, 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 these views are just my own. But anybody that voted for that should be uh, given a real good explanation uh, of why they're doing that. They they put our country in a, in a tremendously bad place. And the American people are starting to wake up a little bit, right? The stock market is going to react here. Uh, but we're in for probably a lost decade. As I said, when productivity's down and, you know, the leading cause of economic is capital accumulation. China has way more capital to work with than the United States of America. And now human capital, the kids in K-12 education, how are we doing there in all the cities across the country? We're not producing human capital, training our kids in the sciences and engineering, computer science, IT, uh, artificial intelligence. We're way behind the curve, and uh, we got some major work to do. All right, so let me ask you this. 
Uh, bottom line, this thing has come out. How does this downgrade affect everyday Americans? What is it going to mean for not only the national debt, but what's it going to mean for interest rates? What's it going to mean for the U.S. economy as a whole? Uh, what's it going to mean to American families? And, you know, what needs to happen for the debt rating to be upgraded? Yeah, well, the people that follow, you know, this economic stuff, the BRICS countries, right, the Brazil, China, India, that's the shocker. They're all forming a new, uh, you know, reserve currency to challenge the U.S. dollar. Uh, this rating uh, news uh, puts further downward pressure on the United States of America. And so it makes the cost of our, our uh, in investments more, right, treasuries, et cetera. We're going to have to work harder to attract investments in the U.S. Treasury. It's still the safest place to put your money, right? Uh, you know what's going to put their money in China, unless the BRICS, yeah, which they're threatening, is a gold-based currency with a, uh, a technological uh, solution blockchain uh, that gives people absolute privacy and a record of all transactions. If they come in with both a gold-based uh, gold uh, foundation and absolute technological security, they can leapfrog us because there's no securities issues, right? No one's worried about the, the Chinese yuan, uh, the renminbi, et cetera. They're, they're going to say, hey, I got blockchain, and I, it's based on gold. I'm fine. Then the United States of America, uh, we're going to be in for some, for some deep troubles uh, for the next decade. Well, only 30 seconds or so left, and uh, thanks so much for your incredible insight. But just in real quickly, yep. uh, what can be done, to, if anything, to try to put the U.S. back on the road to fiscal responsibility? Yeah, well, the Congress needs uh, – it's appropriation season, so McCarthy needs to grab the bullhorn. He promised he would. I haven't heard it yet. I haven't heard anything from Republican leadership about curbing the spending. And then the Congress Financial Services Committee has to put an end to this digital currency piece – uh, which is going through at warp speed by the Federal Reserve System, Congress can block it in five seconds. It's under Article One, and so there's a We're couple have of to, concrete steps. Going to have to wrap it up there, Dr. Dave Brad, Dean of the School of Business, Liberty University, former Congressman, great friend. Thank you so much for joining Thanks, us Jody. on Washington God Watch. God bless you as well, my friend. All right, that's all we have for this edition of Washington Watch. Thank you for joining us. Hope you have a fantastic evening. We look forward to being with you again tomorrow right here on Washington Watch. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.